Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Alan Murabayashi. And I'm Sarah Jacobs. Sarah, terrible news coming out of Afghanistan. The Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist Denise Siddiqui was killed while covering uh, a clash between the Afghan security forces and the Taliban. Um, it's, it's a tremendous loss. Siddiqui won a Pulitzer in 2018 for his coverage of the Rohingya refugee crisis while working with Reuters. He was actually the first Indian to win that award along with Adnan Abidi, who's another photojournalist out of uh, India with Reuters. He served as the chief photographer uh, in India for Reuters. And I found this kind of fascinating. He actually started his career as a correspondent for the Hindustan Times before shifting to the TV Today network. And then he switched to photojournalism and joined Reuters as an intern in 2010. So he hadn't really been shooting for that long, only slightly over a decade. Reuters put up uh, a slideshow of a lot of his incredible work. It spans COVID in India, as well as many other aspects of Indian life and Indian culture. He, He went into North Korea, Iraq, Afghanistan, Hong Kong, covering some of the Uh, democracy protests. The photos are are stunning, real mastery of composition and and light, and really just tragic to hear about this as, you know, the U.S. pulls out of Afghanistan and there's word that Taliban is taking over uh, more and more parts of the country. Yeah, this this news kind of flooded my Twitter feed because I follow so many journalists and so many photojournalists. And journalist Karen Howe shared a really touching story via Twitter um, about meeting him. And when they when they first met, it was at a TEDx program just last February. And she says that he introduced himself simply as a journalist and that he was just incredibly humble. And, you know, she was like, sounds like what you do is so brave. And he told her, no, it's it really is my wife and my family who are the brave ones that have to watch me leave. Um, and she, she just said that he made such an impression. And it was a nice moment to read about, uh, especially coupled with the work, because you can see that his work is just so phenomenal. And he clearly had a passion for the medium. A terrible and tragic loss. Our thoughts go out to the Reuters family and to Siddiqui's family. Last Thursday on July 15th, the world watched through social media and the news as extreme floods poured through the streets of Germany um, in small remote towns. Um, The flooding, which also occurred in Belgium and the Netherlands, was caused by swift and extremely heavy rainfall that flooded, apparently flooded streams and rivers that are normally not considered threats. So that just shows you just how much water was coming down. Um, as of July 19th, we're recording today, there have been 180 confirmed deaths and there's still 700 people missing. Um, the photos and the video footage coming out of the area is just, I mean, sadly familiar. You know, we have seen so much coverage of climate disasters yeah. here in the States, you know, of people wading chest deep in water that you know is just extremely dangerous to be in. Um, New York Times has photographers Gordon Welters and Lena Mucha on the scene and Getty photographers are there, Reuters as well. The New York Times ran a slideshow of real time of when it was flooding and the aftermath of what's been going on. I saw some of the destructions of buildings and then immediately thought of the Miami condo collapse just because you saw these piles of rubble and, you know, in, in case of some of these towns would um, and all the trash and debris surrounding it, I definitely got 
that Hurricane Katrina and the Japan Tohoku tsunami vibes out mm-hmm. of it as well, just because the swath of destruction was so broad. And, you know, it's not, you know, they're saying it's not just a hundred year flood, it's more like a thousand year flood. Right. There was a drone shot from Cologne that just made my jaw drop because I couldn't even understand when I initially looked at it what the heck was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a scene where where part of the hillside or mountainside is completely collapsed and water is running down. It it looks like, you know, the earth just opened up and sucked in all <laughs> of the the land and it's it's horrifying. An image by the Getty photographer Thomas Lones um, of a woman inside her wrecked home in Germany um, really spoke to me. She's sitting amongst the rubble of her home that is mostly flooded. The furniture is all askew. Everything's wet. There's mud everywhere. And the caption describes that her husband is upstairs with an injured foot. And she's been inside the house now for two days um, waiting for firefighter rescue, which is just pretty sad and incredible. We're going to have a link to that New York Times slideshow as well as to another slideshow that's uh, on the Atlantic as well. You can find those links on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. In lighter news, well, I'm still sad to report (laughs) that Instagram experiences have survived the pandemic and are expanding, (laughs) according to The Verge. So these places like The Color Factory, which is essentially like a fun house <laughs> of various rooms you can go into that are different colors and you can, they're Instagrammable moments um, and places like museum of ice cream, which is focused all around ice cream and taking pictures with it um, have actually received more funding and are opening more locations. Now that the world is opening back up um, the color factory recently got $10 million in fundraising from private equity and angel investors, and it's opening a new location in Chicago. And the Museum of Ice Cream is opening up a new location in Austin, Texas. What do you, what do you think of these places, mm-hmm. Alan? These Instagrammable places? <laughs> you know, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Regal Suite, which was that converted Airbnb that is now a photo studio for influencers. Uh, the all pink mm-hmm. room, the all, I don't know, a lime greenish room or whatever color that is. Um, Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, we talked about the Stay Social Studio, which was a concept that is uh, taking over uh, some of the mall space, empty mall space, where again, for 25 bucks an hour, you can rent out uh, a small area to do your content creation with backdrops and ring lights. Uh, And I think we basically came to the conclusion at that point that the influencer culture and the need to create content is just a real thing in our culture today. Mm. I will say that the the fact that museums are now being designed like not just exhibits in a museum, but actual museums are, are you know, quote museums are built around the gram is mm. slightly depressing to me. <laughs> you know, especially when we're talking about uh, you know, well-known art museums or places that are featuring well-known art, you got to ask the question, why can't the art stand on its own? Why does it have to be these, you know, psychedelic colors, these really curated spaces and clean designs Mm -hmm. um, so that everyone can take the same picture? Yeah, I know. I do wonder if these type of places are kind of replacing family outings like 
like going to a carnival, for example. It's like, oh, let's let's go take mm. them to the museum of the kids to the museum of ice cream, kind of thing. Um, I, I I don't know. I'd rather think that than them taking over like actual museums. <laughs> <laughs> but the New York Times recently reported that 50 million people around the world consider themselves content creators. Oh my god. Yeah, 50 million. So that's a huge market. So it makes sense that they're expanding. It makes sense that they're getting this money. Um, do I like it? No. Did, did you ever <laughs> visit the Museum of Ice Cream, which is across, or I, I don't know if it's still open, but it was across from the Whitney in, in New York City? I didn't. No, I haven't been to either, to the Color Factory or, have you? Uh, no, I mean, I've, I've been to the Whitney, but I never, I never had a desire to go to the museum of ice cream. You know, I saw that room where they have like sprinkles and yeah. people kind of like fall into these piles of sprinkles and then they Instagram them and slow motion video and all this kind of stuff. Right. I, you know, it's fun to see it the first 10 times. And then like any sort of interactive exhibit, once all your friends are doing it, you're like, boy, this is. This yeah. is kind of boring. But I guess, I know. you know, if people are going to the Louvre and seeing like the Mona Lisa, I guess we don't complain about everyone photographing the Mona Lisa. I don't know. <laughs> no, we make art based around people photographing the Mona Lisa, <laughs> <Exactly>. in fact. <laughs> I do think it's interesting, you know, since Instagram, you know, just announced like basically we are not a photo sharing app anymore. We are really honing in on video I do wonder kind of how these museums who I checked out both of their Instagram pages, both color factory and museum of ice cream, you know, they're not, they don't have a ton of reels, Instagram reels mm. on their pages. Um, they have some video, but it's mostly montages of stills. And so I, I wonder how they're going to kind of evolve as Instagram evolves. Good question. I guess we'll see and find out. Over in the New Yorker in their photo booth column, a nice piece on a woman photographer who I had never heard of. Um, I'm sure she's well known to some segment of the photography industry, but her name is Laura Webb Nichols. The article is A Woman's Intimate Record of Wyoming in the Early 20th Century. The photos are just amazing. She was taking photos of the contemporary life at the time. There are portraits that she took that feel so modern. And the story of how she got started as a photographer, she received a camera, a Kodak camera. I don't know what type of Kodak camera, but she received a Kodak camera on her 16th birthday from mm. a 30-year-old man who would then become her first husband. Ooh, she got this okay. camera in 1899 and started <laughs> taking photos. And as early as 1906, she was working as a photographer for hire in South Central Wyoming it's reported that she took over 24,000 images until her death in 1962. There are self-portraits, which you love, landscapes, mm -hmm. family photos, and later uh, photos of miners and industrial infrastructure and development in her town. Um, one thing that really struck me about the photography, you know, when I think about the Old West, if you will, I'm thinking, you know, uh, House on the Prairie, Little House on the Prairie, girls in oh, these yeah. flowing dresses but she has photos of women in overalls pants um <laughs> and again with a very very contemporary feel i just loved her photos yeah oh my gosh they're they are so special she really did an amazing job capturing a community um, of people and how it all operated and how it worked and uh, some of my favorite images of hers 
are people with animals. Um, and she just has some great composed images of women with their dogs, little boys with cats. I mean, they're, they're just really cute. A lot of her images remind me of film stills. Um, yeah. they, it, it's just, <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, maybe it's because my only reference, you know, to the West is, is those old timey Western movies. Um, but her images are just striking. I love them. The, the image that opens the piece is a cat jumping onto what I believe is her sister. Her sister mm-hmm. is on one crutch. Uh, she's holding up a little treat. So the cat has jumped up the side of her body. And in the background, you see the Wyoming landscape and there's a ton of logs that have been chopped down, presumably for either to build a log cabin or for firewood or something. It, I feel like it could have been shot yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) It just has this feel of kind of a vernacular feel, but it's so well composed. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just an incredible photo. There, there is a book um, and one that I'm seriously considering uh, purchasing called Encampment Wyoming, which is uh, published in May, 2021. And her work is also showing at the Grand Encampment Museum until September. So if you're around Wyoming, go check it out. I wish I could go. But yeah, maybe I'll have to get the book then. Yeah. And finally today, the fashion photographer Mert Alas created a futuristic gin. You may have heard of Mert and Marcus, well-known fashion photographers who've done work with all the major fashion brands like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Versace, Missoni, Giorgio Armani, et cetera, et cetera. They shot for all the major uh, fashion publications. Um, But he created this gin bottle and gin flavor that really looks like a a perfume. I was digging around in his Instagram and it turns out, you know, we had talked about all these uh, quarantine photo series at the beginning of the pandemic last year. So many, so many. And Mert, crowdsource a quarantine photo series where he had people send them his, uh, their photos and then he quote worked on them for you know several weeks um he says you create the photo and send me after i will pick the photos i like and work on them like they are my own and oh, so he was doing his editing chops. <laughs> he was doing his editing chops he says <laughs> in the first uh post i think there were about eight uh photo carousels that came out. He said, I spent almost one month editing, collaging, color grading, drawing on your photos. Doing this work gave me great pleasure. It took me out of darkness into the light. And I hope it did the same for you. What did you think of those photos? They're so cool. I mean, I remember all of the really bad remote shoots that were going on (laughs) around this time. And I feel like he really did something different within the landscape that other photographers weren't, you know, and he, I don't know what the original images that, that were sent to him looked like, but that's okay because the, what he made is just so cool. Really, really great. I do want to see what the originals look like because it's it's sort of unclear. (laughs) You know, I think, I think he did a masterful job in curating, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the images together so that the, there does feel like there is some sort of visual cohesion between them, but it's not really clear how much pixel editing he did or cropping or whatnot. So that would be interesting to see, but you know, he's obviously moved on to other things, but back to the alcohol. (laughs) Back to the gin. Yeah. Back to the gin. Gin is made by mixing alcohol with a bunch of botanicals. 
and then you heat them up and then the vape becomes the gin when it cools back down. Um, And so his take on it, I mean, he he did a masterful job marketing it. Uh, He says, once blended, the gin is aged in a sequence of barrels. These include (laughs) virgin oak casks from Spain that are charred to impart smoky depth, sherry-saturated American oak casks that lend the sweetness of sherry, and French oak casks that infuse the gin with the warmth of cognac. So he's using almost like, you know, he's using like wine casks to impart Mm -hmm. a flavor. So I assume that this is a very pungent and strong-tasting gin. Yeah. Do you like gin? You know, there's that old saying, gin, gin, it'll make you sin. It's not my favorite. <laughs> I mean, I'm so convinced by the marketing and the and the the uh, bottle shape and the photography that he has, the product photography, does make it look yeah. pretty damn compelling. But it's 140 it pounds a bottle. Which Wait, is how much? 140 pounds, which is like eh, 180, 190 bucks for a bottle. Yeah, that's a it's lot. Not, it's not cheap. You got to really like Jen to like that. I don't think you should order that. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's way too much. Jen was like my grandmother's drink. And I re- that was actually like the first alcohol I ever drank because I accidentally grabbed her glass at the table and took a huge swig because I had just eaten a, a barbecue rib. And then I spit it out all over my plate. You thought it was water. <laughs> you thought it was water. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Yeah, maybe yep. you're right. I'm I'm more of a I'm more of a champagne and beer kind of guy, to be honest. <laughs> so yes. Maybe I'll yes, just stick that with those. is true. Yeah. Good good call. Thanks for listening this week. Since you're here, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment and a five star rating if you can. You can always tweet at us at Photoshelter with ideas or other comments. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Photoshelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.